Hello and hi, welcome to another Slice of Sci-Fi. I'm Summer Brooks and we have a dual show for you today. We have an interview and a discussion. The movie is the new version, the new remake, reimagining of Children of the Corn, written and directed by Kurt Wimmer. And we start off with an interview with Kurt uh, about his his vision for retelling Children of the Corn. And then we follow up with a discussion between Noah Cliff and myself about the movie. So stay tuned for that. But I want to thank everyone for listening to Slice of Sci-Fi. Your support, your ears, your comments really keep uh, things going here. So thank you all for that. If you want to listen to more Slice of Sci-Fi, the places to go are Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and iHeartRadio. And uh, if you want to help support Slice of Sci-Fi, the places to go are patreon.com slash slice of sci-fi or paypal.me slash sci-fi summer. But right now, we will get into the show. Hi, welcome back to more Slice of Sci-Fi, and my guest today is Kurt Wimmer, whose newest project is Children of the Corn from RLJE. He is the writer and director, and I have questions. Hi, Kurt. Hey there, how are you? First, what was your inspiration to do a reimagining of Children of the Corn? Well, uh, there were a lot of uh, fundamental factors that went into it, how I got involved in the first place. But I think to really answer the question the way that, that you're actually answering, I, I looked at the original story and I realized how uh, fundamental it was, uh, that it was an, an archetypal story that, you know, like Oedipus <clears throat> or Romeo and Juliet, it was a story that was extremely elastic and la- actually lacked tremendous specificity. There's no specificity whatsoever in the story. And uh, I realized that it was in that case just a form that would allow us to talk about uh, generational conflict, which is something that for sure has been going on since the beginning of time. Um, fathers, sons killing their fathers or their mothers, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and because of that reason, it was something that uh, was agile enough that it could be adapted to sort of each generation, the specificity, specificity of each generation's uh, fundamental reasons for that generational conflict. So in other words, I looked at it and I said, okay, I mean, it is, it, it, the movie, the, it was always been a tremendously successful series. And I believe it was largely due to the title, Children of the Corn. Because just when you say it, it has so much meaning because children, again, to me, they symbolize the potentiality of the future. And corn symbolizes the earth. So children of the earth. And yet in his story, they kill their parents. Well, that 
I mean, that says everything, doesn't it? And the question is with for each generation, I think, and the reason that you can retell this story, and there are these fundamental stories that deserve to be and can be retold over and over again, as long as they're retold, retold in the context of the new time that they're told, I believe. And so to me, I looked at this story and I said, well, you know, this is so interesting if you've got the children of the future and you've got the earth. And then I look at the world that we're in and I see that there are a lot of um, people who are politicians in particular are setting policy for the future of this planet who aren't going to be on this planet to experience that future. And yet the people who are the children uh, don't have any say in it. And uh, it's pretty clear to me that the current policymakers are fucking things up royally, uh, i.e. this earth. So if I were a child of this earth or a child of the corn, I would be pretty upset about it. And I can see why some of them would, take it upon themselves to take matters into their own hands. And uh, King was very smart, as usual, to put the story in the crucible of a small town, which is almost like science fiction concept, you know, which allows us to uh, separate from the larger world and the larger reality of the world and examine, you know, what is essentially a uh, a social experiment, which is why would children rise up and kill their parents and... Um, what would happen if they did without having to worry about the government sending a National Guard or helicopters or anything like that. So that's what I have to say about that. Yes, I was, uh, from the, the way it opened, I was expecting more of a pollution, climate change, uh, genetic modification sort of uh, direction, but we got the, the good old uh, monster in the weeds sort of story no it was genetic that was why they they put the gmos and and, you know like the roundup in the soil in order to modify the corn to um, make it yield more corn syrup so they could you know sell more soda pop as they say in the movie to the the children the children in the third world so that was fundamentally why the corn was dying to begin with nice uh, allusion to various uh, different types of monsters because we 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 wander through a world of monsters and there's so many to choose from. How how did you approach? Uh, I guess weaving the story with the effects because I noticed there were a lot of practical effects in there. Did you did you go into production looking to have more practical than digital? Well, we didn't have much money, so I was going to do practical wherever we can do. We could we could do it. There were some things obviously we couldn't do practically, but I mean, you know, on a budget like ours, we had to do as much as we could. Talk about uh, the the performances because little little Eden is uh, <laughs> a, a, a right terror in this one, and that was that was a. Uh, a, a fun, a fun thing to watch. Well, that's Kate, Kate Moyer, and uh, she's wonderful, and she's a revelation, and um, she's the best actor I've ever worked with, and, and I worked with Christian Bale, so it was a very extremely challenging for me. However, because I would find myself rewriting every night based on the performance that she had g- given that day, because she would. Uh, she was incredibly instinctive, both 
instinctive and collaborative writer, uh, actors I've ever worked with. And she would reveal things to me about the character, um, particularly tonally, that uh, differed and varied from the script tonally, but which I re realized were correct. And I had to um, modify as I was going. And of course, you know, you don't shoot linearly, you don't shoot in order. So it was very, very tricky. I was sort of constantly running around uh, trying to plug up holes in my writing so that the next day it would support what she was bringing to the story rather than making her support the existing or the extant screenplay. Now, uh, I wish I kind of wish we had more time, but some of the shots you composed uh, of the, the wider shots of the cornfields, there was a, a glow and a light in there that actually made them seem haunted was was that intentional to sort of get people thinking about what actually could be in the corn? Summer, I think that's just the way corn looks. And that's <laughs> another reason why Stephen King is brilliant in titling this Children of the Corn, because on top of the things I mentioned earlier, there are two creepiest things in the world are both children and corn. And when you put them together, there's a sort of force multiplying geometric effect and that sort of super creepiness. But corn, if you've ever been around it, is just, is just creepy. I have one more thing to say, I'm sure we're going to run out of time, but is that the question is, I want to ask you a question. Is the monster real? I'm still mulling that over because to me, to me, that end was a question. I'm like, was that a dream? Was that a nightmare? Is, is, uh, is Bo now the one that uh, is locked in a mental institution? We don't well, you know. know. You know, they're all, they're, they're breathing this, this fungus that the breeds on dying core, much like Argot does and uh, produces hallucinations. And so, you know, the question is, is the monster actually exists or is it a hallucination or is it, in fact, a manifestation of the children's trauma traumatized id? Or is it a manifestation, is it an aller allergic reaction by Earth to what the adults have been doing to it? The answer is, I don't, I mean, I don't know myself. I'm curious what other people think. Well, the, the ergot angle uh, is definitely a possibility. Another, another fungus that has been making the rounds in... Uh, Horror fiction is uh, the cordyceps virus that turns people into plant-like zombies. And, you know, we there's stuff out there we have not discovered yet. We keep discovering these viruses and funguses that have been on the planet for millions of years. And we just keep stirring up the dirt and digging up other stuff. The thing that terrifies me the most is the permafrost melting in the uh, Arctic, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they're discovering bodies, people, you know, soldiers who died from the original Spanish flu. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Leave them there. <laughs> uh, yeah, all kinds of things that are locked into that snow, for sure. So are you uh, working on something new that you can talk about? Well, I'm always working on things new. Um, if you're interested, I'm writing a screenplay live online every day right now. Oh, Nice. Where, where, um, where can we find that? It's on YouTube. It's called Kino House. Um, just type in called Kino House YouTube. It'll come up. And yeah, I just started this week and I'm, I'm posting the entire raw footage of word by word as it's being created, along with some commentary along the way about why I write and why I make some of the decisions that I make commercial and creative. Is, uh, is this new screenplay something you're hoping to get into production? Yeah, I, well, I'm not on their writing, but I intend to make it. But, of course, I can't predict the future. 
but you know, my intention is to um, bring people along the journey uh, of writing, starting with a blank page and writing an entire script, and then going out and going through all of the motions of getting it set up and selling it, going to market, et cetera, and why phone calls, the texts, the emails, everything to production, to casting, et cetera, et cetera, to post-production. And so the people can actually probably maybe for the first time, if we're successful, see how a movie or a candy actually made. And, you know, it's not just sort of abbreviated stories that people tell in retrospect, but it's sort of sort of all happening in real time. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for your time and insights today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The movie is Children of the Corn, available in theaters March 3rd from RLJE Films. And we'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi right after this. Hi, welcome back to more Slice of Sci-Fi. I'm Summer Brooks, and I am joined now by... Cliff Jackson and Noah Richman, our resident horror experts, and we're going to chat about the movie we just heard the interview about, Children of the Corn. Uh, it's actually was made in 2020, but it, it's getting its theatrical release in 2023, and from RLJE Films, should be out March 3rd, and uh, we have a lot to talk about. Hey, Summer. Hey, Summer. How you doing? So what did you guys think of this <laughs> new reimagining of Children of the Corn? <laughs> oh, boy. I, I had a hard time with it myself. Um, I mean, I you know, I think I think all of the technical stuff was there. Um but yeah i it, you know it was it was it was it was tough for me I, I that's i think that's where i'll leave it right now i'll let noah say something yeah well i guess i i'd preface my th thoughts by first saying i only just uh recently watched the original uh film from 84 uh for the first time and was not a fan of that at all and so really wasn't coming into this looking forward to it to begin with because i just um, generally sequels and remakes tend to be a step down and when i didn't even like the original material in the first place um i, I was was dreading it um so i do have to give it a uh, little bit, you know, I do have to give it some props for, first of all, that I I, th I think Cliff said it well in terms of technically there were some things there that were that were right. Um, I, I, I think some of the ways that uh, scenes were set up, um, I actually didn't think that... Um, that the acting was necessary was was uh, necessarily a downfall in, in terms of um, uh, you know I, I think uh, you, you got some strong performances from a young cast um, and in particular 
something that I uh, would would say positive about this um, very much in comparison to the 84 film is I did think that the actual um, he who walks behind the fields, the you know the the monster from the movie, uh, was actually quite a bit scarier in this one. Uh, that just the the way that it was pulled off visually, um, and uh, how it how it appeared on screen, I thought was actually much more effective. Everything being said, in the end, I would also have to agree that once, you know, while I think that it had elements in there that you could point to and say positive things about, ultimately it's a film that just doesn't come together. It, um, it's almost a, a movie that works against itself. I think that the director, mm. Mm. um, I, I applaud him for clearly having some ideas in his head of um, wanting to wanting to convey something. He has he obviously has some idea of something literary that he's wanting to convey. You know, he's obviously uh, I know in your interview with him, Summer, he's referencing um, Shakespeare. He's referencing Greek uh, tragedy. Um, and he also is wanting to convey some sort of contemporary message, uh, related to, uh, our, you know, our relationship with the environment and what kind of world are the children going to be facing growing up and, um, things like that. But at the same time, he's trying to tell a sort of conventional horror film but it, it really isn't and it's almost like he's trying to do several things at once and in the process doesn't actually do any of them really well uh, because doesn't really work as a horror film at any point. It's almost like it's so heavy on the message that it detracts from actually just trying to develop something that would be scary. And um, yeah. and when he's trying to be scary, it takes away from trying to have a message. And so because it's almost like he has different different tracks spinning at the same time they don't gel into a cohesive whole so i i, I would have that overall criticism of it um, i also think that he is too deferential to um the kate moyer actress because she's obviously you know a very powerful force a very you know a young a, a young person who's got a very strong personality and uh, a strong screen presence but i think that he makes a mistake in effectively letting her almost guide the film to yeah. where i think he yeah. starts getting lost himself and also doesn't start to see the extent to which 
she actually has these strong qualities, but she has not matured yet as 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 a full actress, and it starts to become um, annoying for for the audience more than than it actually does uh, something inspiring. Yeah, yeah. The um, what you were saying about having too many elements. Uh, that's that's exactly 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 uh what i felt that there were too many pieces of the story and i i wonder if because he was trying to leave the ending open that he was trying to give people uh paths to choose ideas to choose from in deciding what is this thing what is happening to this town to these kids and instead of narrowing it down and focusing it on one or two things there's a lot of things that are going on and it it i'm not going to say distracts you from the story but it waters it down and the the actress kate moyer who plays eden is is definitely a presence. I mean, she takes over just about every scene she's in. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I kind of wish, you know, after after talking to Kurt about how he he said in the interview how he guided, how he made changes uh, after shooting every day to right. to better reflect the performance that Kate was giving as Eden. And I kind of wish I could read the original screenplay and see like where those changes came in, what, what, what all was changes. Cause it wasn't, like he said, it wasn't filmed uh, linearly. And I wonder how much of the story was changed because he wanted to give her more to do or more to work with. And I think, you know, for me that, that's what caused the story to not work for me. And, and I don't know if it's a bad thing, but I absolutely did not care for any of the adults who were getting offed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't enough development. And I, and I think that's what I'm hearing. You know, that was my experience of it was that there, there wasn't enough, development of any of that stuff so it just almost didn't have a lot of context well it was it was <laughs> it was refreshing to hear both of you because i i thought i was going to come into this and and be really harsh but both of you have been much harsher than me <laughs> so I, I i'm glad i waited to hear what you all had to say first um so yeah because i I didn't i don't i never like to be harsh and i i know people put a lot of work into this stuff you know and you know i i I, at the end of the day i mean i i congratulate all of them for for doing it for getting it done yeah for getting it made yeah and um and, and and especially in 2020 when COVID happened and it must have been, I would imagine there was a certain amount of chaos at some point around it. 
but yeah, I, I, I feel very similarly to both of you. I, I, I walked away not liking the film at all. You know, first of all, there wasn't enough black people in it. And then second of all, the, um, you know, the, the, he who walks behind the rose, having that actually manifest visually for me really was a big detractor. Uh, that was one of the things I liked about the original was that it was kind of left up to your imagination. You know, they didn't, they didn't explicitly show you what it was. It was just this thing under the ground that moved around and it was really kind of mysterious. And, and I think that added a lot of, um, uh, tension to the original 1984 movie, which for me was destroyed by having a CGI, you know, corn monster. That that when that showed up, that I was I was really kind of done with it at that point. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I I have to I have to chime in. I am not. Uh, upset or didn't even care that there was a lack of diversity in the in the the location because it's supposed to be a tiny town in what like Nebraska yeah and the the here's here's what I had a problem with I'm like you have this entire town of farmers and not one of these dudes has a shotgun. What in the world are you <laughs> trying to make me believe here? No. My suspension of disbelief went out the window. I'm like, okay, I yeah. I don't know if we're being sensitive about the gun thing, but I'm sure one of those one of those farmers had a couple of shotguns because there are things like coyotes and foxes and stuff that will get into your livestock. Somebody had shotguns. And once they knew that the kids were burning down the town, I'm sorry, there was going to be, you know, right. in my version of the movie, there was going to be 10 or 20 kids with rock salt in their butt cheeks. Yeah. I agree. It, 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 that was something that actually I, I had a bit of an issue with, with both this and the original film was just in general, I, I found it a little implausible that, you know, the children rising up, that the adults would be so easily overpowered. <laughs> right. Right. Of course. I mean, that that's, yeah. Rock salt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think one other thing that I would, would mention in, in terms of where I'm saying that I, I felt like um, some sense of the film in some ways trying to, you know, having too many th threads running at once that didn't really uh, gel together. I also thought that something else that wasn't really clear was, I don't know that at any point the filmmaker filmmakers themselves are really clear on whether they have actually done a new adaptation of the original Stephen King story, or if they've done a prequel to the 1984 film, or how you exactly you would classify this. Uh, because 
really the uh, the way that this ends, you would have to call this a, a remake uh, because it kind of ends where the the way that the original Stephen King story ends, but everything prior to it is something completely new and made up. Right. Whereas the 84 film was at least somewhat closer to what King wrote, probably partly because King helped adapt that particular screenplay, even though it then was rewritten and he wasn't very happy with the end result. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he got kind of, he got a little bit boned on that one. I, I wanted to go read the short story uh, either before or after seeing this adaptation, because I wanted to see how close it was in tone to the story. Mm. Uh -huh. And then I realized I don't have the short story collection that Children of the Corn is in. I only have the collection Skeleton Crew. I don't have Night Shift, and I need uh, to fix yeah. that. I need to fix yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I wanted to reread it because I, I have Night Shift, and I read that book when I was a teenager. Um, so that's that's a long time ago now. And um, so I, I was struggling to remember that story and and i just didn't have a chance to go back and, and reread it again but uh but yeah i, I hear you a aside from the diversity issues and, and the monster issues i do think it was a bit of the the kate moyer show at the end of the day um you, you know the funny part is like Elena Campuris, uh, uh, Bolin, the Bolin character, um, the sister, was, I think, kind of the main character, it seemed like, supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but it was like the Kate Moyer show all day long. And, um, and I just couldn't really get with with her character or maybe the yeah. actress I, I i'm not sure yet um, it for me it was a uh none of the characters protagonists or evil children i couldn't connect with any of them so it nothing that happened felt there was no tension there was no Right. Uh, anticipation of mm -hmm. peril, even when you could see the peril coming from mm. around the corner down the street, <laughs> there was no jeopardy about it that affected me, that made me care or empathize or be concerned. Yeah, and I, you have to have that in a horror movie, even if it's just right. one person, if it's the 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 big evil that you're trying that you're rooting against or one of the protagonists who's literally on their last legs and about to die there has to be a connection and uh, that that moment where you start to give a damn about what might happen to them and that never happened yeah 
Well, I, I it did happen for me with with the the Boylan character and her brother. Uh, I, I'm forgetting his name. Um, the the character's name off the top of my head. But I, I think they developed that a little bit, you know, with the whole like you know she was supposed to be going away to college and. And they they went into that whole dynamic between the brother and sister. He was upset that she was leaving. You know, he thought that she was kind of like being snobby and turning her back on on her hometown community or whatever. And so I, I did think that there was some of that with those two characters. And so then when the brother kind of turned to the dark side, if you will, um, that that actually kind of had context to it, um, but that was definitely one of the few things for me that kind of like came together in the story. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I felt more uh, connected to her friend. I don't know if he was supposed to be a boyfriend or just like a platonic male friend, but their banter was was interesting. And it never got a chance to develop. And uh, as far as Bo's little brother, you know, I grew up with a little brother who was, when he was a child, a uh, a handful. So I am wondering why she just didn't elbow him repeatedly in the ribs, yeah. in the throat. <laughs> but uh, but no, the. Uh, the the one relationship i was looking forward to the partnership between Bo and her friend but he spoiler alert he died bloody and early and i was annoyed at that mm, mm, yeah i hear you on that yeah it was it was just a weird you know and the funny thing is like i i like some of Kurt Wimmer's stuff, like you know, like I've I've seen Ultraviolet. I, I liked Ultraviolet. I liked um, Equilibrium. Yeah, I, I loved Equilibrium. I thought that was just just uniquely wacky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and then the other stuff that he's written, you know, not not directed, you know. Um. So so this this seemed just for some reason like. I don't know. I, I'm. I, I really. I wonder. Like. I guess I, I. I wonder how he really feels about it. You know, I'd love to hear a very candid interview with him about. It. You know, how do you really feel about how it came out? You know, I. I would. I would. I like. I still am standing by the fact that I want to see the difference between the script that got the green light that got the money. And what he ended up shooting because he, you know, he said he, he changed it while they were still shooting. And I'm, I don't think the original script that he finished was anything like what we saw in the finished film. Mm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also one, I don't look forward to harshly criticizing independent films independent science fiction, independent horror, uh, they are a treasure trove most of the time. And I try to look for the best 
possible elements that I can, even in the ones that are really bad. You know, now studio movies that suck, I will tell you that those movies suck. There's a handful of them, which I will never watch again, that I wish I could scrape, you know, the brain cells that have the, that, that data stored in them out of my head. But, you know, <laughs> hey, that, that, that's life. That's life. Uh, <laughs> we have to suffer the bad to appreciate the good, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, I, I, there's maybe a handful of indie movies that are actually truly awful but this i can honestly say is just it's not awful it's just it's disconnected and that disconnected leads to me you know it's like okay burn the town down i don't care right you know have have the national guard come in and and drop a, a an air fuel bomb like they were going to do at the end of outbreak, wipe it off the <laughs> the face of the wipe it off the face of the planet. No problem. I'm good with that. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, there was definitely points in the film where I where I I just kind of started tuning out a little bit. You know, like I the the scene like when it got to the to the point where they were like in the barn and th that was like when the monster first showed and I'm, I'm calling it the monster on purpose. Cause I think it, for me, it became something other than he who walks behind the rose. You know what I mean? I, I think just the term he who walks behind the rose is you know, it has it's it's packed with a lot of imagination, and so, you know, once once they actually showed the monster for the first time, and the and the whole barn scene, um, you know, where they uh, all that happened, that I I just I just kind of started tuning out, and I was like, I just found myself kind of like, oh, you know, this this is just really kind of turned a corner that I, I don't know if I can go there with it, you know, and um, yeah, it, it, I wanted, I wanted, I was hopeful. I was kind of like interested to see how this remake was going to be treated. And, and I didn't have any idea about it going into it. Um, and I had rewatched the original before I watched this one. Um, just just to kind of refresh my memory because I haven't watched it probably since the eighties and um and so I was really shocked that it was really reimagined in that way i I like the idea of the social commentary and I like the idea of kind of like you know the whole g m o thing and the chemical thing and I, and I I like that part of it but but I think that was just a layer on top of everything else that that just kind of made it you know kind of a hodgepodge of stuff and I, I think maybe if if the focus would have been more exclusively on that you know like the the uh, what is it? Roundup or whatever, whatever the Monsanto 
garbage stuff is um, that the farmers use. Um, I, I think that could have been a clear kind of plot line to go with. And, and so to your point, Summer, I'm interested as well to see in, in, in the earlier drafts of the screenplay if that was more prominent a, a part of the storyline before it became about Kate Moyer, you know? Cool. So what, uh, what are your final thoughts, Noah? I think I've largely said everything, everything I think I really have to say about it, which is, I think that, uh, I mean, I think all of us have, have, have said that we can appreciate that this isn't just something churned out by a studio, that there, it is an independent film and that there clearly is a, a filmmaker who had something he was trying to do with it. And, uh, it's unfortunate that it doesn't really come together better, um, but that in the end, it, it just doesn't. Uh, it's uh, it's not merely that that the parts don't cohere, but they um, actively contrast with e with each other, making for a viewing experience that ultimately becomes very frustrating and uh i i found somewhat painful to sit there <laughs> <laughs> well i think that we've said all we can say about yeah. the new children of the corn uh noah cliff thank you so much for sharing your 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 thoughts and questions here today yeah yes yeah, summer thank you yeah thanks Thanks, Summer. And we'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi right after this. Slice of Sci-Fi. Pseudopod, the free horror fiction podcast brought to you by Escape Artists. It makes my bones chatter against each other and you sit up in bed. I scream as I remain a statue, and then the fury in me becomes a raging, hot thing in my chest. Each week, one story told well. There, writhing in lurid agony upon the floor, was a short creature, perhaps two feet tall. It was covered with red, wire-like hair on every inch of its exposed flesh. From the most chilling and unsettling storytellers of the genre. The wind's up now, and the sackcloth is blowing in black tatters round it, making it writhe like the worms. Only that ain't all sackcloth. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or find us on the web at pseudopod.org, and on Patreon under EA Podcasts. This is Kevin Murphy from Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Rift Tracks, and you have bitten off a nice big chunk of slice of sci-fi. And again, that's Children of the Corn, available now on digital, on demand. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about the interview, the movie, or our thoughts on the movie, 
feel free to send those in. The number is 602-635-6976, or you can send an email, summer at sliceofsci-fi.com, or you can leave a comment in the discussion section on the website, sliceofsci-fi.com. Come on over, leave a comment, or get a discussion started over on Twitter, at Slice of Sci-Fi. You can listen to Slice of Sci-Fi over on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and iHeartRadio, all the usual places. And if you're listening on Apple or Stitcher or Podchaser, please consider leaving us a review. If you'd like to help support Slice of Sci-Fi, the place to go is patreon.com slash slice of sci-fi pick a tier any tier you are eligible for perks uh patrons are eligible every month i pick a winner out of the hat and that person gets to choose from a book a blu-ray a dvd or a 4k uh lots of the review materials we get here i just don't have the space to keep so patrons are amongst the first to get dibs on the good stuff in addition to giveaways we run So head on over and check that out. And again, thank you for your support. Every every donation helps to keep all of the podcasts and websites in the Slice of Sci-Fi universe up and running. So again, my thanks to you all. And that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi next time. Take care. Mm -hmm.